Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN Political Director. This is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Tuesday, March 29th. Our investigation aims to give the American people a lot of answers about a great many matters. We're entering a critical stage of our investigation. That's the chair and vice chair of the January 6th House Select Committee, and it's a committee with a ton of work ahead of them. Last night, the House Select Committee unanimously recommended two former Trump advisors, Dan Scavino and Peter Navarro, for criminal contempt charges. The committee says that those two gentlemen have refused to cooperate with its investigation or appear for a scheduled deposition. In the reports filed by the committee Sunday night, it says Scavino received six extensions for an interview and opportunities to hand over documents. Navarro said he couldn't discuss some issues, but had actually already written about many of them in his book. Obviously, the committee's looking for information that is not yet in the public domain from these critical players in the Trump White House. Now these referrals that the committee voted for last night will go to the full House for a vote. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer says it will be voted on as soon as possible. If indeed, as expected, the House passes these contempt charges, then they'll be sent over to the Department of Justice, which will decide if there's enough evidence to prosecute. Now, this is not the first time that the Select Committee has voted to refer criminal contempt charges to the full House of people in Trump's orbit related to the January 6th insurrection. You may recall both Steve Bannon, a former senior advisor to Donald Trump, and Mark Meadows, the president's former chief of staff, were both referred to the full House and the full House passed contempt charges against each of those gentlemen, referring their matters over to the DOJ. Now, The Department of Justice says that it's still reviewing the contempt referral for Meadows. But, of course, you may recall last fall, Steve Bannon was indicted for contempt of Congress. And that's really key here because all Congress can really do here is refer these matters to DOJ, which sort of puts the hot potato in Attorney General Merrick Garland's lap. And as we heard from members of the January 6th Select Committee last night, they would like to see more action on Garland's part. This committee is doing its job. The Department of Justice needs to do theirs. We are upholding our responsibility. The Department of Justice must do the same. But more bluntly, Attorney General Garland, do your job so that we can do ours. And that's how Merrick Garland's fellow Democrats feel about the matter. But the committee is dealing with much more than folks who refuse to cooperate with them. This week, Jared Kushner, former Trump senior advisor and, of course, the former president's son-in-law, is expected to appear before the committee. He's expected to appear virtually and voluntarily, according to a source. A committee spokesman declined to comment on Kushner's potential appearance. Of course, one of the greatest revelations that we've seen over the last week related to the committee's investigation are the text messages between Ginny Thomas, conservative activist, wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and Mark Meadows, showing how involved she was in the January 6th movement, if you will. She claimed she had no role in any planning of the insurrection or what occurred on the Capitol. She did indeed attend that Stop the Steal rally on the ellipse on January 6th. 
And we now know for a period between the election and even after the insurrection, she was in contact by texting Mark Meadows, urging him to keep fighting the fight to overturn the legitimately adjudicated election. So it's not surprising, of course, then that the select committee would now like to speak to Ginny Thomas. And CNN has learned that that is precisely what the committee is seeking to do. Clearly, now that's a key part of the puzzle as the committee tries to build this larger narrative of what occurred in the lead up to, on the day of, and in the aftermath of this insurrection. And listen to the language that emerged yesterday from a federal judge's ruling. President Trump's right wing attorney, John Eastman, this is the man that was advising Trump that Pence really had the power to overturn the election, even though he did not. This is what Judge David Carter, this federal judge out in California, wrote, quote, based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. This is a federal judge saying it's more likely than not that Donald Trump broke the law, that he attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress, which was dedicated to the counting of the electoral votes. The judge ordered John Eastman, that conservative attorney, to turn over 101 emails from around the January 6th attack that Eastman had tried to keep from the House Select Committee. Eastman's attorney says he plans to comply with the court's order. But hearing a judge put that in his ruling only once again is going to amp up the pressure on Merrick Garland, the attorney general overseeing the Department of Justice, to act or to state why he's not acting in terms of seeking charges against Trump and his most inner circle. And just today, some new bombshell reporting from The Washington Post and CBS that says the House Select Committee is missing more than seven hours of Trump's call log from that day, January 6th. Now, CNN had previously reported that the committee believed they were dealing with a gap in the Trump call logs because there are certain calls that have been publicly reported about, talked about, such as Donald Trump calling some senators on the day in the midst of January 6th, and yet they didn't appear anywhere in the call logs that had been turned over to the committee. What the Washington Post and CBS are reporting are now the specific details of some 457 minutes that are unaccounted for in the president's communications that day over the phone. Now, this doesn't mean necessarily that this is like Watergate and somebody sort of erased the tape, if you will. It could be that Donald Trump was using other people's phones or a burner phone, something he denies even knowing what that means. We know from previous reporting that Donald Trump has a habit of doing that in his communications, just grabbing an aide's phone so it was not a communication that was happening through the White House operators and therefore would not be recorded in any formal call log. But this huge missing treasure trove of information of more than seven and a half hours of communication from Donald Trump to others in the midst of an insurrection led by his supporters and conducted at his urging is going to raise an enormous amount of questions in terms of how the committee is going to fill in those gaps to truly understand every minute of Donald Trump's behavior on that critical day. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii.